Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Black Man's Heart Podcast. And today is another special show. I know I say that all the time, and I know I tell you guys that we have uh, legendary people. We have people from all walks of life that have contributed to society, contributed to the community, and, and offered their best to the world. Today is absolutely no different. Um, this is Black History Month. Happy Black History Month to everybody. We are in the midst of a lot of turmoil going on right now in the country, um, not just the country, but around the world. And I, I thought that today's guest would be um, um, such a, a just a an experience for everyone, for all of us, because I came across her some of her videos and on on uh, YouTube, social media and and it, it 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 literally gave me chills like even now just thinking about it i get a chill um because and i expressed this to her in an email the things that she's been able to say and accomplish a lot of us have been made example examples out of killed our um our our um our our whole career demolished our um i'm losing the words right now um we, we, we've suffered just for expressing these things. And so what, what she's been able to do and accomplish in her life has been nothing short of monumental, nothing short of, of a miracle in some ways because of the people that she's been able to reach and, and the, the minds she's been able to, to, to touch and change just based on truth, just based on facts and her fearlessness of expressing these truths. So, without further ado, allow me to introduce a woman, a mother. She's a an educator, and by all means of the word, and she can break that word down to 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 to, to Latin origins. An educator, a lecturer. She's a diversity teacher and 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 godmother of diversity training. She's she is labeled as a godmother of diversity training. Peter Jennings, rest in peace, of ABC, named her Person of the Week in 1992. She's listed among the textbook editor McGraw Hill's 30 notable educators on an impressive impressive list with along with Plato, Confucius, Booker T. Washington, and Maria Montessori. She's received the Hillman Prize, journalists, writers, and public figures who pursue social justice for the common good of all. She has been invited to speak at over 350 colleges and universities. In November of 2016, she was added to the BBC's list of 100 women. She's a corporate and diversity training specialist who has spoken with the FBI, the IRS, Exxon, AT&T, and others. She's appeared on TI's Expeditiously podcast. Shout out to TI. She's appeared on Red Table Talk with Jada, Jada Pinkett herself. <laughs> she has also appeared on the Oprah Winfrey show more than five times, and that is a record almost for anybody except for Beyonce and Jay-Z. Shout out to them and shout out to Oprah. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Black Man's Heart Podcast, the legendary, the legendary Jane Elliott. How you doing, Jane? 
Well, <laughs> after that, after that introduction, my head is so big that I have lost the things in my ears. <laughs> I really can't hear anymore after all that. You need to realize um, I'm not a legend. A legend, if you separate that into two parts, into two syllables, it's a leg end. And at the end of, at one end of a leg is a heel. And at the other end is an anal aperture. So I don't appreciate being called a legend because a legend is not what I am. What I am is a, a grandmother and a great grandmother and greatly grateful for being able to be those things. I am a person who is fairly ignorant, but who refuses to buy into the ignorance of racism based on a lie that began in France in, I think, 1580. The word race came out of, to mean a distinct group of people, came out of France in 1580, that short a time ago. And now we have spent the last 250 plus years in this country using the word race in the most disgusting ways. There's only one race of people on the face of the earth. It's the human race and we're all members of it. You and I are 30th to 50th cousins, whether you like it or not. We both came from the same ancestors back there hundreds of thousands of years ago. So let's get started putting a stop to this nonsense. Well, and, and I agree with you, cousin, because uh, we have a long way to go. We, we've come a short, a short way uh, in dealing with race, but we have such a far way to go because we dug ourselves so deep with it. Um, but, you see, but, but you see, if we could get to the moon, and we have, unless those were all just things made up. If we could get to the moon, we could get past racism. We could get to accept one another as fully functioning human beings, members of the human race, if we decided to. I had a student who, <laughs> a teacher, one of the teachers at the junior high level several years ago, came down to the lunchroom just furious because one of those students, when she used the N-word, one of those students, students stood up and said, we don't use that word in this school. And if you're going to use it, I'm going to go out in the hall until you stop. She happened to be talking to my sister who was substituting in the school that day. And she said to the group of educators, what would you do if someone said that something like that to you? And my sister said, well, I think I'd stop using the N word. The influence that those kids have still to this day, even though that happened to them over 50 years ago, they still remember what happened to them and they still refuse to go along with racism. I think that means I educated them. Mm. And, and 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 this this school um, is in Iowa. Is that correct? Riceville, Iowa. It's a thousand people, and about four hundred and no, about six hundred and eighty of them were furious at me for putting their poor little children through that exercise for a day. And I yeah. say to them, and I will say to anyone else who makes that accusation, wait a minute. If you are upset by what happens to those little white children or whoever goes through that exercise at my hands for one day, you must be absolutely infuriated by what happens to children of color in this country 365 days of the year and for the 12 and for the 880 days of that that they're in school. If you're concerned about one day for my group, you'd better start being concerned about 180 days and it doesn't stop when they leave the classroom. It happens to them on the bus. It happens to them in the local his, uh, movie store. It happens to them in. It happens to them if they turn on television. Television has gotten better. Now I'm seeing mixed couples, and I don't mean mixed race. I mean people who are mosaic couples. 
A mosaic is an art form that is new and beautiful and made of many elements. That's what we have in this country are not mixed race, they are mosaic couples. And we need to realize that that's how we all started and that's how we're all going to end up. And they better stop this nonsense. What was your question? Thank you for that, Jane. I want to go back a little bit to Riceville, Iowa, if we can. Um, You came up at a time where there were whites only theaters and and bathrooms, uh, things of that nature. And for those of us that don't know, um, can you describe um, uh, to the to, to your to the best you can? around that time what growing up in riceville iowa was like for you well as you say everybody was white but of course that's a lie too because there are no white people that's another thing we ought to get over we are all shades of brown but in riceville iowa we have been conditioned to to believe that there are at least five races and white and black and yellow and red and whatever and brown all right we'll accept all those five as long as we put white people at the top that's the way that, that, right, that, yeah, hey, that's the way it was. That's what we were taught. I would go to church, go to the Methodist church because we sang in the choir. My three brothers, my one brother and two sisters and I sang in the Methodist church choir and we'd sing our anthem and then we'd go down and sit in the pews and look up at the minister standing in front of a picture of Jesus Christ that had, who had light skin, straight hair and looking, and he's looking upward. And I used to think, Now, wait a minute, how could he look like that if he came from Africa? Mm. And so everything that what the the minister was saying was going over my head because I kept looking at this person behind him who didn't fit what I thought he must have looked like. And now there are some people who are even admitting that, oh yeah, by the way, Jesus was an Ethiopian Jew. And he had dark, and it said in the Bible, he had kinky woolly hair and feet of bronze. Now that's not the picture I was looking at at the Methodist in the Methodist Church in Riceville, Iowa every day. There were eight churches in Riceville. Most of them had the picture of, that didn't match the, the story. Mm-hmm. But we need to have someone that we feel comfortable praying to. And in this country, the vast majority of people so far in this country believe that Jesus was white. Well, he wasn't. We need to get over that. We need to start teaching the truth. If we can't teach it in schools, at least we ought to teach it where we go to worship. So that, uh, let me let me. So that that's a very <laughs> powerful statement right there because there's such a uh, an opposition uh, to to facts uh, when it comes to when it comes to religion when it comes to the church especially the church. Um, there's a lot of things that are hidden for the reason of well if they knew the truth then they would respond differently or react differently to what we're trying to uh, uh, teach them or show them or the way that we want them to behave. Do you and yet, think one, that- of the most, yet, one of the most important statements in the Bible is, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall set ye free. Now, if we so-called white people could learn the truth and admit that all of us and Native Americans and Chinese and Japanese and the French people, and all, we all came from the same place, up country in Africa. If we could just learn that and accept that and accept people of every shade of color, every shade of brown, which is what we all are, if we just mm-hmm. accept them all as our cousins and treat them more fairly than we ever have before, we could settle this whole thing. We could finally become a nation that says, 
liberty and justice for all. But you have to realize that in 1954, the Knights of Columbus lobbied their congressmen to get the words under God inserted into the pledge. Mm. We weren't allowed to be, hey, and it came to the schools and there where we have to separate church and state. We weren't allowed to pray, but we were allowed and we were required to say the words under God in the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. And it comes just before the word indivisible. Right. Think about that. If you, if, you, if you put the words under God in there, then that automatically divides us into those who do and who do not call their spiritual power God. So you either take the words under God out or take out indivisible. And which do you think they'll do today if, if you challenge them on that? Which do you think they'll say we must take out? God. No, no. They'll say take out indivisible because we want God left in our schools. This is not where, and that's another thing. On our money, it says, in God we trust. God we trust, right. Well, underneath that, if you have a piece of paper money, an American, you know, United States money, underneath in God we trust, write in very small letters, all others pay cash. What? Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Where's when my wallet? Was, when, yeah, when I was a kid in the restaurant that my parents took me to maybe once once a year, because there were so many of us who couldn't afford it more than once a year. And there on the on the wall was a plaque and it said, In God we trust. And in that plaque underneath it it said, All others pay cash. I thought that was the cleverest thing I had ever seen and I had never forgotten it. So and I think that if, if we're going to put in God we trust on our money, underneath it, we should put all others pay cash. Because you see, if you really believe in God, you don't, you don't idolize money. Mm. Mm. Now that, think that's, about that one. And, and <laughs> that, that, that's such a, a deep statement. I mean, not even statement. That's, that's fact. Oh well, yeah, if, do you it think... is so ignorant to have in God we trust on the money that we use to keep us eating and drinking. It's almost like you have to believe in in the in the money itself. That's right. Um, that's right. Or that's like what that's, it's saying. Like that's it's a gateway saying, to God. Right. It's saying God's given you the right to have this money in your hand. Wait a minute. <laughs> that's not in how it happens. Because if it happened that way, we'd all have the same amount. It, do you feel like it's a it's a way of programming or a tool to to kind uh, of keep everyone is. in of line? Of course it is. Of course it is. Religion is a huge money maker in this country and in every other country. Now, now, Jane, when when you were um, when you were coming up in Riceville, Iowa, um, <laughs> what what made you um, what were not what made you, but what were your intentions? Uh, uh, behind becoming a teacher or an educator. Did, was that something? Be, I, didn't, I didn't want to be a teacher. My father said, if you go to nurses training, I'm not going to help you. But if you, you know, be a teacher, I'll help you go to college. And I thought, well, I need the help. So I guess I'll be a teacher. So I became a teacher. Mm. And, and, and my, I, father, my father was the single most important, important idea and person in my life. He was then and he still is to this day. He used to say to us, you know the difference between right and wrong? I'll do the right thing, goddammit. And I would think, <laughs> Dad, you just swore. And he'd look at me and and I'd think, oops, I better keep my mouth shut now. And I kept my mouth shut 
I didn't say it had to just swore. I just knew the difference between right and wrong. And if he said it, it was right. And if I argued, I was wrong. Hmm. And your, your dad, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he delivered you. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> doctor, it was November 30th. The doctor couldn't get out because of the weather. And his, 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 his dad was doing something else. And so the, doc, the young doctor had to replace what his dad was replace his dad in the office and so out comes this young man after i'm delivered <laughs> and my mother my mother told that story until she reached the point where she couldn't remember it anymore and i was awfully glad when that happened but he <laughs> 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 said i didn't want another and the people would say to her two two three girls and one boy before my little brother was born and she'd say yeah i didn't want another girl but she was born a girl and i just said to lloyd lloyd you name her and so my dad named her no my dad my dad didn't deliver me he delivered my younger brother the doctor was there when i was delivered because the doctor said to him lloyd what do you want her name because my mother said she couldn't think of any more girls names she'd only thought of two and so my father named me mabel after his older sister whom my mother hated and who returned the favor and my own, my brother, my only brother at that time, named me Jane because he was in the Scott Forsman breeding series. So I am Mabel Jane, Mabel, whom my mother hated, and Jane out of the Scott Forsman breeding series. I can't think of a worse way to get your name than that one, I tell you. <laughs> Every time we had company, she'd trot out, that was her stick, my mother's stick, she'd trot out that story. And finally, I got old enough, when I knew the story was going to start, I'd go outside and talk to the dog until I knew the story was over. <laughs> it, just, it just got really tiresome. By the, time, by the time I was seven years old, I thought, I don't have to hear this crap anymore. So I'd go outside and wander around, talk to the dog, and come back in later on. Yeah. You, you tell a story. Um, uh, I, I was watching uh, one of the videos. I, I believe it was a video, or no, I, maybe it was an article, um, where you described your father's reaction to uh the the training exercise that you did and uh how he um how how emotional he was um, oh yeah I, I hadn't seen my father cry since my little sister died and my little sister was she was about two and a half three years old and she was his absolute absolute she was the diamond of the in the in the chest she, she was his favorite it was awful Sorry to hear but that. I showed, well, hey, the, the things happened. I showed him the film, the first film that was made in my classroom, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation made it the second year I did the exercise. And they sent me a copy of it and I took it up and showed it to my mother and father, just the three of us sitting there. And he watched that thing all the way through. It, it makes, you know, I, I can't, I get, I get emotional when I remember it and when I talk about it. And after it was over, he stood up in his blue thin overalls with his shirt rolled up halfway up to the elbow. He took his red handkerchief out of the back pocket of his overalls, blew his nose, wiped his eyes, and said, I wish somebody taught me that when I was nine years old. Mm. And nobody can criticize that exercise in my presence anymore without my saying, I knew a fantastically moral man who, at the age of, I think, probably 61, saw that film and it changed the way he used his mind and his mind for his mouth and his mind forever mm. and if that film can do that to one very wise very moral very hard-working determined christian person 
if it could do that to him, it could do that to, and it does do that to a lot of people. Yes. If if some you know there's a the Sioux Indians have a prayer that says, "Do not do to another person what you wouldn't want done to you." And that's what I was trying to teach my students the day we did the blue-eyed, brown-eyed exercise, the day after Martin Luther King Jr. was killed. I was lucky because that prayer, which came from the Christian, so-called Christian missionaries, was what the Sioux Indians believed, and what I believed, and what my father believed. So, as far as I'm concerned, it's all a circle, and I'm wondering when I'm going to get to the end of it. And rest in peace to your father, um, who obviously was a very uh, a great man and, and upstanding. And um, just the fact that someone can unlearn um, or, or at least be aware that they were given something that was not good for their spirit or something that was not good for their family. And they made that choice to unlearn it or to let go of it. Um, that's a very... That's a very um, courageous thing to do. Uh, it takes but a lot I, of... But, but I think the thing that shocked him was that I, who was the other in my family, I'm the middle child and I was the other, and I still am, except that the older ones are all gone. But I think the thing that shocked him was that I was the one who did that exercise and I taught those students something that he had never learned. Right. And that, I think that was amazing to him that this, the middle child, named after my sister, and who is the out outcast without a doubt, look what she has come up with. Now, I think the fact that I was the outcast and I was the middle child is the reason I came up with it, because I can relate to what people that we consider the other have to go through all day, every day. I can relate to that, because that's what I did as a kid. And I don't anymore, because most of them are gone. But. I think my father, what astounded my father was that the one who wasn't supposed to amount to anything has managed to come up with something that I wish somebody had taught me at the age of nine. Yeah. It, isn't it crazy how how sometimes uh, the, the overlooked one or the, the one who's uh, forgotten about or the, even the one who's doubted the most has the most gifts or is 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 um is blessed with some kind of uh some kind of realization early in in life well you have to develop a knowledge about yourself because you can't depend on what others say about you you have to decide what you are and you have to decide that you're not going to allow others to dictate you or your character or your intelligence or your ability and that's the major problem for people of color particularly for black people in this country, the people who call themselves black who aren't. For melanaceous and melanotic people in this country, that is the thing they have to do all day, every day. And that's what melanaceous and melanotic mothers and fathers have to do all day, every day, is build up their children that this society is tearing down. And what I think what scares melanemic people, which is what I call white folks, I think what scares me. <laughs> well, where did that come from? Okay, if you have a lot of melanin, if you have a lot of, if you don't have enough iron. Oh my melody, gosh! Wait now, a listen, minute. if you don't have, it makes, it makes perfectly good sense if you have a mind like mine. If you don't have enough iron in your blood to keep you healthy, you are called anemic. Anemic, right? 
If you don't have enough melanin in your skin to protect yourselves from the damaging rays of the sun, you must be melanemic. Make sense? Yes, yes, Absolutely. Yes, yes. If you have more of it, you are melanaceous, which rhymes with gracious and spacious and efficacious. <laughs> it's a good thing. If you have a lot of it, you are melanotic. And that word is in the dictionary. And it means having a lot of melanin in your skin to be to looking very dark brown, almost black. But it doesn't say black, it says almost black. So melanemic for so-called white people, melanaceous for those who are nicely tanned, and melanotic for those who are really look like the first people that inherited this that inhabited this earth. Makes sense to me. I wish no, we had I wish we had that that those words when I was growing up in school. I of course, wish and so do I. And so do I, because then you have to realize that white and black came out of the Spanish Inquisition. And a man named Torquemada realized after he'd killed a bunch of Christians, he, he, well, he didn't want to kill Christians, he just wanted to turn them into Catholics. But he had killed a bunch of Christians, then he realized you couldn't tell what a person's religion is by looking at them. So he decided he would base his decision as to whether he'd lived to deserve to live or die on skin color. And he called the lighter people white because white is the color of goodness and purity. And he called the darker people black because black is the color of savagery and evil. So here we are in this society, still using those two terms, which are totally irrelevant when you're talking about human beings. Blackness does not equal savagery and evil. Not in any of the people that call my, themselves black when I'm around them. I haven't met one yet. And I haven't met very many white folks who are pure and, and perfect. So right. let's stop using black and white. Let's start using melanemic, which simply means you aren't very bright, melanaceous, which means you have a little more melanin, and melanotic, which means you look like the first inhabitants of this earth. I'm writing that down right now. Insist that those first two go in the dictionary and not melanemic, but melanemic, M E L A N E M I C, melanemic, melanemic, melanaceous, and melanotic, melanotic. Yo, <laughs> shout out to Jane Elliott right now in the Black Man's Heart. And podcast. now you're going to have to change your program name from the Black Man's Heart to the to Melanotic the Heart. Yeah, the Melanotic yeah. Heart. Are you very dark brown? Then you're melanotic. If you're only uh, if you're dark, if you're brown, but not real brown, then you're melanaceous. The Melanaceous Man's Heart. And see what people say. They will go crazy. <laughs> they will turn you off. They won't even turn you on. You've got to be black because we said so. Exactly. Now, <laughs> what, I'm glad I'm not drinking anything right now because you, I, 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 oh my God. I'm not either, and I don't care what you think. I'm not drunk, except I am drunk on the idea that you, a melanaceous or melanotic man, would care to listen to me, a melanemic woman. I, I think it's important. Uh, now, the, 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 the Sue prayer, um, uh, Oh Great Spirit. Keep, Keep me from, from ever, ever judging, judging a man until I have walked in his moccasins. Until I have walked a mile in his moccasins. What? How? How did that become? Um, what? What? What does that mean to you? And at the time that you learned of the MLK assassination, well, we um, were studying. We were studying the Indian unit at that time. We called it the Indian unit then. And we, I did it in the springtime. You always do it with third graders. 
and I did it in the springtime because those little boys wanted to get out and dig in the mud and those little girls wanted to get out and put on their summer dresses and they didn't want to think about school so I had to do something that was fun and the Indian unit was always exciting and fun and totally different from anything else we did and so one of the things we learned was the Sioux Indian prayer that says oh great spirit keep me from ever judging a man until I've walked a mile in his moccasins and the night after Martin Luther King Jr. was killed I decided that when I taught that prayer the next day I not only was going to teach them the prayer I was going to arrange to have some of my children walk in the shoes of a child of color in this country for one day and that's what I did that and that was the 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 often talked about the the I think timeless um um experience not experiment but um what is the word of the blue eyes brown eyes exercise Um, yeah it was an exercise it was an exercise in empathy but I wouldn't have called it an exercise in empathy I would have called it an exercise in how it feels to be judged on the basis of a physical characteristic over which you have no control and if you don't like it for you maybe you'd better see to it that it doesn't happen to somebody else what was the um what was that energy like amongst your students um that first day oh it was awful because i had blue eyes and the brown-eyed people were on the top and when I told my students that blue-eyed people aren't as smart as brown-eyed people, little Debbie sitting in the front row looked up at me and said, how can we have a teacher here if you got them blue eyes? <laughs> and I thought, well, you little shit. And then I realized <laughs> that I had a tiger by the tail. And Alan Moss in the back row stood up and said, if she didn't have them blue eyes, she'd be the principal of the superintendent. They're brown-eyed. And I thought, oh my God, he's my little, he's, he's the one wow. who's going to go along to get along. Good Lord. And the, the whole day was like that. I pulled out home. I went to the teacher's lounge at noon because I needed to share with the other teachers what was going on in my classroom. I went into, into the teacher's lounge. There were probably half a dozen, maybe 10 teachers there. And I told him what I was doing in my classroom on the day after Martin Luther King Jr. was killed. And when I had finished, the younger of those two teachers, who was probably 48, 50 at the time, said to me, I don't have know how you have time for all that extra stuff. It's all I can do to teach reading, writing, arithmetic. Well, as far as I was concerned, she hadn't taught reading, writing, and arithmetic yet. I listened to her read the spelling list for her students one day. It's, it's interesting. I don't have to go into that. The other one, the older one, who was at least 61 years old at the time, looked up at me and said, I don't know why you're doing that. And this was the day after Martin Luther King Jr. was killed. She said, I don't know why you're doing that. I thought it was about time somebody shot that son of a bitch. Mm. Now, I had decided before I went down to the lunchroom that I was going to stop this exercise at noon. When I left the teacher's lounge, I knew that I wasn't going to stop it at noon because no child or any person of any age was going to leave my presence with those statements unchallenged. And I decided that my students would stay in the blue-eyed, brown-eyed exercise for the rest of the day. So in the afternoon, I had to pull down the map, the lower map, map of the world. And I gave a pull on it, and my the ring slipped off my thumb. The map went around and around and around the roller with that horrible flapping, flapping noise. And I said, well, I've done it again. And a little Debbie in the front row said, well, what do you expect? You've got blue eyes, haven't you? No. That, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, you can't, you, you, you can't imagine. You could, because you know how it works. Most white people hearing me say this say, she wouldn't. I say, yeah, yeah. And, and when they say she wouldn't do that, what they're saying is a black person might say that, but a white child wouldn't. 
you see I me mean, straight? Yeah. It's like you hit a switch. Like a switch yeah. just went off. Right. And she jumps in the character. It, that's amazing. Right. But you see, that's what we do in this country all day, every day. All we have to do is hit the switch and you'll have the Proud Boys marching down the street. And you'll have the, the Oath Keepers marching down the street. And you'll have the group marching down the street saying, Jews will not replace us. Well, you idiots, there wouldn't be Christians if it hadn't been for the Jews. The mm. first five books of the Old Testament came out of the Torah, which is the Jewish book of faith. So when I hear people say, if one wasn't for these Jews, I say, yeah, there wouldn't be any you, would there, since you're a good Christian? Well, that's not, no, you're wrong. Look it up. Yeah. Be like, I hate you, and I think, and I don't blame you. But on that day, when Debbie made that remark, <laughs> Ellen said, Debbie, your eyes ain't got nothing to do with it. She never has been able to do that, right? And I didn't say, <laughs> Ellen, don't say I've never been able to do it, right? I said, thank you, Ellen, because he was defending me, not as a teacher, but as a member of his race. If my eyes made me inferior, then his eyes, which was the same as mine, color-wise, make, would make him inferior, and he had to let everybody know that my eye color had nothing to do with it. I just didn't know how to hold on tightly to the rope ring on that map. So and then, and then you have to look at the map. And this really, this, <laughs> we teach racism every time we show our students the Mercator map of the world. Mm. Every time we use it. We teach our students to be racist because the, the map, the world on the map, according to our anti-social studies teachers, divides the world into two equal portions, right? The Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere. Right. However, and the equator is supposed to be halfway between, half, the, halfway around the world, it's supposed to be divided into two equal portions. However, on that map, the equator is two thirds of the way down the map. Did you know that? No. Well, no. get a copy of the Mercator map and look at it. And Greenland is this great big thing that's hanging down at the top of the middle of that map, like a, like a big ripe plum hanging down there. Greenland, according to the Mercator map, Greenland is larger than South America. But at the bottom of the map in the legend, it says South America is eight is actually nine times larger than Greenland. But that isn't what the map shows. Oh, right, right, exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's disproportionate and, and Africa <laughs> itself is not proportioned. But it's, but it's disproportionate because the Pope, at the time Mercator was drawing maps, the Pope asked him to draw a map that showed the spread of Christianity. So he made the white countries of the world bigger and the countries in which people we call black live smaller. It's a cute trick. And we have been, we have been educating, no, we have been miseducating people with that map ever since the 1600s. Do you think it's time to stop? Absolutely. Get a copy of the Peters Projection Map, P-E-T-E-R-S. A man named Aldo Peters came up with a new map on which the size, the shape, and the locations of the land masses on the earth are right. And in what, on which the equator is halfway between the North Pole and the South Pole. Hmm. Did you know <laughs> that? No, I, and I'm going to have to look that up because you, you're absolutely right. I, I do remember the equator being, it, it wasn't quite in the middle. Uh, no, it's two thirds of the way down the map. And 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 in the middle, just like you described, Finland, um, um, Iceland, I think it's Iceland, um, right up there at the top. Uh, no, Greenland big, is clear at the top. Greenland's a great big white 
white shape at the top of that map. Right, and it's, it's literally white. Right, and, uh, um, and, and Donald Trump, or Donosaurus T-Rump, as I called him, wanted to buy Greenland, but somebody got to him and said, wait a minute, Donald, baby, that isn't nearly that big, you don't really want that. (laughs) 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 You you look at the map, and you listen to the things people say about it, and you think, oh my God, they don't even know that that isn't a true picture of the size, the shape, and the location of the land masses on the face of the earth. You you took a third grade class um, and in within the span of a day turned them into American society a microcosm of society in one day and it only took me 15 minutes did you have any did you have any uh, did did you think that it was going to be as profound as big as it became this, this. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I did, I did it for my students. I didn't think it was going to leave my classroom, but there was no way those kids could go home and not talk about it at home. And then the word got out, and then we reversed, and that was on Friday. And I was afraid to go back to school on Monday because I knew I had heard the boys, the blue-eyed boys, talking about what they were going to do to the brownies, as they called them, when they got when the blueies got on top. So I was afraid to go to school because I was assured there was going to be a whole lot of, I thought hell was going to break walk <laughs> over. I, I thought it was going to be ugly. I went into the classroom, reversed the exercise, and the most amazing thing happened. Those blue-eyed kids were much less vicious than the browns to, them, to the browns than the browns had been to them. And I thought, what in the devil is going on here? So on Tuesday, before we discussed the exercise at all, I had each child write a four-paragraph composition telling how the child felt on Monday, on Friday, how the child felt on Monday, what discri- discrimination is, and who Martin Luther King Jr. was. After they had finished writing, we got in a magic circle, and I said, now, kids, I want to know. You blue-eyed boys said you were going to get even with those brownies when you got on top. You didn't get even. Why didn't you get even? And they said, and this is the thing that every so-called white person in this country has to hear they said because we found out how it feels to be on the bottom and we didn't want to make anybody feel the way we felt when we were on the bottom children said this children said this little nine-year-olds learned that others as you would have others do unto you are you going to suffer suffer what you have done to others it's in the bible it's in it's in the quran it's in every every book about how to be a functioning human being but we ignore it greed and power if you want power here's what you have to do in this country if you are greedy you may get onto the the <laughs> there's a group of men who run this show yeah uh, anyway I'll, I'll think of it it'll come to me in the middle of the night but you need to realize that behind all these males who are marching down the street saying these ugly things is the absolute fear that people of color are going to want to do to us what we have done to them. And so they are doing everything in their power to keep that from happening. We elected a man who built a a wall along the southern border of the United States after he said openly on television, We've got to keep those brown-skinned people out of this country because brown-skinned people reproduce too rapidly. 
And he also closed Planned Parenthood meetings, Planned Parenthood businesses, because he was quite convinced that the only thing that happens there is we help white women get abortions. That's not the only thing that happens in Planned Parenthood meetings in businesses. You've got to get over your fear of being replaced. Right now, I am being really, really abused verbally on my computer because people are accusing me of indigenous erasure. I'm not trying to erase indigenous people, the Native Americans. I am saying, and I will say it until the day I die, and I've been threatened with death a lot for saying it, we are all members of the same race. We are all homo sapiens. If you don't believe that, get the book Sapiens. Or just look at the Bible. And you'll realize that we're all members of the same race. It's time for us to get over this stupidity. And I'm going to keep right on saying that. It is absolutely essential that I, as an educator, and the word educator comes from the root duck deuce, which means lead, the prefix e, which means out, the suffix ate, which means the act of, and the suffix or, which means one who does. An educator is one who is engaged in the act of leading people out of ignorance. And it is my job as an educator to lead people out of the idea of five or six different races or the idea that a different color group is a different racial group because it isn't. There's only one race of people on the face of the earth and that's the human race and we're all members of it. I will continue to teach that until, the, as I said, until the day I die. So I will probably live for a very long time because it takes it takes people yes. a long time to learn to learn <laughs> to, to so get i'm it going to be here and and of course now i've been banned because i think of the hebrew israelites i have been banned on all colleges and universities because of what i say there are people who do not want to be told that you're not you're, you can't judge people my dad used to say you can't judge a book by its cover or a man by the color of his skin he was right. He was absolutely right. And we've got to stop this nonsense. Yeah. There, there, there's there's a lot to be said for um, um, someone or even a class of people that have been oppressed and what they have to overcome just to be, uh, just to live a human experience. But they, but they, aren't, they don't overcome to overcome over people. They overcome to survive. And you shouldn't have to do that. It should be enough that you have to fight the elements without having to fight all the so-called humans around you. That you shouldn't have to overcome. Now, and we're we're definitely going to get into the um, into um, uh, something that you brought up a minute ago about um, about the death threats and everything like that. We we're <laughs> definitely going to get into that. Um, but I want to know what kind of reaction did you get to this because after you um after pb or the associated press got a hold of this story that was printed in the local newspaper you it, it began to kind of blow up in 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 the way that things at that time there of course there was no social media or anything but newspapers well, it, and media um, it blew um, up immediately it blew up immediately for me because I right i was i was i was not a beloved of the faculty before i did it because my sister resigned in order to adopt a child. And when I went in to apply for her job, the superintendent said, if I lose one Jenison, which was our last name as children, if I lose one Jenison, I'll be all right if I hire another one. And I thought, oh, Mr. J, you are so mistaken. You are not getting another Mary. You are getting a Jane. <laughs> we are very different. 
But he found out, and they interviewed him, another superintendent, one of one of the many I had, after many years, and I'd done the exercise many years, they under, interviewed another superintendent, and he said, I wish I had a whole building full of Jane Elliott's. So the teachers didn't like it, because it changed the way they could teach in their classrooms. And, but most of the parents had no problem with it. In fact, I remember a parent coming to <laughs> Mercy, to the teacher in-service training, no, um, parent-teacher conference. And she said to me, and we had done the exercise, she said, thank you for what you've done for my son. I said, what did I do for your son? She said, he was always so mean to his little sister and we were we just hated to see him get off the bus. But ever since he went through that exercise, he has been a different child. He's even kind to his little sister and we're glad to see him come home in the evening. Wow. Yeah, now we can turn kids into saints or we can turn them into little sinners who feel about things the way we do. Oh we yeah. Have to change the way, yeah, we have to change the way we feel about people and the kinds of things we say about people. If we're going to change, into a more comfortable and more accepting and more appreciating society in the future. Now, children are a little bit more malleable than than grown-ups. <laughs> what can you can, can you talk about um, the town's reaction, the the other teachers' reaction uh, to oh, the? Oh, they hated me. They hated me until many of them are dead now, so that's over. I don't have to worry about that anymore. But. <laughs> but, yeah, was, I, when I when I you know when I first went into teaching when I when I was a child I could walk down the street and everybody would speak to me. After I did the exercise, I could walk down the street and people would cross the street to avoid having to confront me. It was just a scream. It was, and my mother finally, after my father died, my mother kicked me out of the family because I had ruined her reputation in that community with that mm. eye color thing. I thought, well, there's only a thousand people in this community. That can't be too bad. <laughs> but my father said, I wish somebody had taught me that when I was nine years old. Did that empower you? Did that give you a sense Absolutely. of um, I'm on the right path here? Absolutely. Because my dad was a moral human being. He was, my mother was a casual Catholic and my father was a believing Baptist. He didn't go to church, but he prayed constantly. And I knew he was, he had seven kids. <laughs> he should have spent more time on his knees and less time in bed but he had seven kids and they were and they, they were all pretty bright and he was he had to keep ahead of us and he had to be sure that we weren't we didn't raise that he didn't raise any dumb smart kids how, how did this um, I want to give you a name if that's okay and you Tell me your your uh, thoughts or experience um, from beginning the beginning of this when this uh, exercise started until the end or the 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 last conversation that you and this person had. Um, Ruth Setka. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Ask your question. <laughs> what? How was your relationship? Uh, with Ruth Setka affected um, by this? Well, it depended on whether you were looking at her or turned. If your mm. back was turned, you got a whole different reaction. If you were looking mm. at her, she was smiling. <laughs> if your back was turned, you, you want to wear a steel plate on your back. Wow. That's wow. Simple. 
she would agree with you to your face and agree with the people who hated you to your back and and was it was it like this before this this exercise took place or was it sure it was because i took the job that she replied for gotcha. everybody thought yeah everybody thought that she would get my sister's job when my sister resigned and the superintendent knew who he was going to hire and it was me mm. so you yeah. you had so you had uh metaphorically speaking all guns pointed at you from from <laughs> yeah. the start um yeah. Yeah. i used to go up to the where my parents were and tell the folks what was going on and my dad would say put your head up and your shoulders back and smile a lot and they'll wonder what the hell you've been up to. <laughs> 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 your father sounds. Yeah, your that's what I did, and that's what they did. <laughs> he, he sounds like your spirit animal. It, it's it's like he's he's your 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 uh, your 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 head coach on the sidelines, kind of. He's um, my Don't make no doubt about it. Is what gave me the morals and the and the spine that I have. How, you know, um, with when people are going against the grain and um, trailblazing, doing something that's never been done, uh, or going against uh, a, a culture of of something, um, to, just to just to help, or in uh, and they have good intentions, um, it takes a toll on them uh, emotionally and mentally. Yeah. You have to remember that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm. Think about that. If your intentions are good, where are those? Resent the goodness of your intentions, and they will fight them tooth and nail to see to it that what you're saying is seen as wrong. Hmm. I, I just, I just want to let that sit for a minute. Because there, there's a lot of people out here, um, uh, myself included at times, who have have faced that adversity. And when when we when we're alone, when we look in the mirror, when we're getting out of bed, we question, uh, you know, am I doing the right thing? Should I just should I just stop or should I just keep going? Because in my heart, I know that this is right, but I'm being stoned to death every time. Uh, I, I open my mouth, or every time I put pen to paper, it. What? How did you maintain your sanity? Your. How did you keep it all together? Well, I was never particularly sane, because <laughs> 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 you have to be insane to do what I do. Yeah. So I didn't maintain my sanity, but I did maintain my father's voice in my mind, saying, "You know the difference between right and wrong. I'll do the right thing. Goddammit." And I know that we teach the way we teach about the history of this country, and about the history of the first people who came here, and about the history of men and women. I know that we're teaching the wrong thing. I know that we're teaching a lie. And I know that when we have a whole business set up, appreciate or depreciate 1619 because it either was or wasn't the first first black people who came to this country. I know that the first black people who came to this country came between between 60,000 and 10,000 years ago. So I know that we've been teaching a lie for a lot of years and it's time for us to stop teaching the lie. And if I refuse to teach the lie, I'm going to be a pariah in my hometown and in my family. And I realize that. 
But on the other hand, I can hear my dad once again saying, "You know the difference between right and wrong. Put your head up, your shoulders back, and let the mission wonder what the hell you're up to." And that's what I do. You don't like what I do? Prove me wrong. But don't prove me wrong by talking to me about Columbus, and don't prove me wrong about talking to me about the Hebrew Israelites. Don't 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 bother me because I'm simply I've simply decided that I'm not even going to respond to those remarks anymore because they aren't telling the truth, and I'm not going to give a platform to people who are out there deliberately trying to create problems among people based on skin color or religion. How, skin color, but you can sure as the devil change your religion. And if your religion says that I'm wrong because I don't think like you do, then there's something wrong with what you're saying. You, absolutely. And and I remember um, in the email you spoke um, uh, to that. You said it, that if we, if the problem is our weight, well, we can lose weight. Um, if the problem is our uh, uh, our skin complexion, then. Oh, what did you say?、Um, you can't change. There are some things you can't change. We can change our religion. We can't change our age. We can we can change our height. We can change our weight, but we cannot change our race. We、right. can't change the color of our skin, and we must not allow people to treat people positively or negatively about and say that it's about their skin color. It's not. It's about their ignorance. Racism isn't about skin color. Racism is about ignorance and the need for some people to have someone to look down on. And if they can't think of anything else, they'll take a president of the United States, Barack Obama, and be absolutely say ugly things about him because of their ignorance about skin color. Their ignorance is the problem. His skin color isn't. Jesus Christ was not a white man. How would you feel about? Jesus Christ, if he walked on your street today, and he was the proper, he was the color of Jesus Christ. I want to know how people would feel about it. Yeah, shout, they'd shout. Become, they'd all become atheists. Make no mistake about this. <laughs> I have a friend,、uh, Christopher, who、um, did a video with、uh, with my brother Javier, and it was in San Francisco, and he walked around. Um, as if he was、uh, modern day Jesus returning, like the return of <laughs> Jesus, and、uh, just you know taking into account what is going on now, but also looking at the reaction of people、uh, who were looking at him and and trying to figure out who he was, or he, those who even just ignored him,、uh, or who said、like. you can't be Jesus, you can't be Jesus, you don't look right. Yeah, you your hair is not straight. You're not white. You don't have that kind of thing. Um, Jane, I have you quoted as saying, "People who are racist aren't stupid; they're ignorant." And the answer to ignorance is education. Do you do you do you think? And I, I know you. I, I, I kind of have a feeling of how you're going to answer this question. But can education、um, can education unlearn or make someone? Encourage someone to let go of prop the propaganda that they've been、um, given and raised with,、uh, kind of、um, the, the the teaching that was placed in them. Do you think education can allow them to let go of it? Hey, hasn't it forced people of color to hold on to it because they've been educated to believe that they're less than? 
Don't tell me that education doesn't work until you look at what education is in this country has done to people of color. Because of the way we educate, and we aren't educating. Education means to lead people out of ignorance. The education in this country doesn't lead people out of ignorance. It perpetuates ignorance. And if you go to school knowing that you're okay because you're black, and mom said the first people on earth were black, and I'm like the first people on earth, and the teacher says your mother's wrong about that. This is what Jesus looked like, number one. And Columbus was not a man of color. So you need to forget about that. You need to realize that the people who have done bad, valuable things on in this country and on the face of this earth are all white males. If that's what your education teaches you, and you grow up to believe that, then don't you tell me that education can't make a difference. We could tell, we could teach children the truth, starting right. from preschool. We could teach children the truth, and we could right. change the level of racism and the level of ignorance about skin color in this country. And we have these kids for 180 days a year, eight hours of the day. Think of what we could accomplish if we did a good job. Because think of what we have accomplished by doing a bad job. We、mm. have created our own problem by miseducating the American mind. Do 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 teachers、um, or what role do teachers have, or what role do they play in、uh, perpetuate the perpetuate the status quo? Make no mistake about that. I was working on a master's degree, and I had to write a paper. So I went to the advisor to find out whether I would be allowed to write a paper on what I wanted to write on. And he said, "What do you want to write on?" I said, "On dyslexia." He said, "It's not real. It's a that's a that's a large a generalized term for a whole lot of different problems. Dyslexia isn't real." I said, "Okay then. I want to write about the blue-eyed, brown-eyed exercise." And its implications for education in this country. And he said, "It's a fluke. It didn't work." I said, "You know who you're talking to?" He said, "It's a fluke. It didn't work." And I thought, "Well, you silly!" <laughs> and I walked out, and I went back to my teacher, another educator, and I told him what had happened. And he said, "Jane, do you really think you'd be a better classroom teacher if you have a master's degree?" I said, "Well, actually, looking around me, I guess I wouldn't." He said, "No." He said, "Why bother?" You're doing a good job. You're doing a really good job. Why? Why would you bother with this? I, at that moment, I dropped out of college, and I went back to just having a bachelor's degree, plus being within five hours of having a master's degree. Now I have three or four honorary doctoral degrees.、Mm. Yeah. So, did I do the wrong thing? No. Was the blue-eyed, brown-eyed exercise a fluke? No. Walk, look around you all day, every day, and see the way ignorant. Melanemic people are treating people of color, who have forgotten women particularly, who have forgotten more since breakfast than any of us melanemic women know, because we don't have to learn it. We're born all right. We don't have to. We don't have to have that talk with our sons. But melanemic and melanaceous women, melanaceous and melanotic women do. You, you know. You, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. And you know that they're going to walk into a classroom. And if the majority of the students in that classroom are pale faces, and the teacher is a pale face, that melanaceous and melanotic student is not going to be treated as an equal. That that's absolutely true. I, I remember my fifth grade teacher,、uh, Mrs. Keller,、um, looking at me one day, and and she had this disgusted look on her face.、Mm-hmm. We were we were having a class party. She had this disgusted look on her face, and she goes, "I just don't like the way you chew." 
and <laughs> and for years after that I, until maybe i was in my mid to late 20s i was um i was afraid to eat in front of people i didn't want anyone to see me eating um like i would be embarrassed to eat and uh. it, it took my grandmother to tell me well, you know barry everyone has to eat it's it's normal to eat you don't feel shy about eating in front of people and and i i i i had to let go of something that my teacher told me one time when i was little um because it affected me that much and i didn't want to be offensive to her oh, kind of thing god. so oh, so god. so so you're so you're absolutely right um teachers are in a position um they can either dismantle or they can uphold that status quo. Mm -hmm. They can either be educators or not. But if you're going to be a teacher, be a teacher. Teach the facts that aren't facts. If you're going to be an educator, lead people out of ignorance. No. You have to start with yourself. Now, the, oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh, say that again. Yes. The, if, now, if the, you're the, going to educate people out of ignorance, you have to start with yourself. And you have to read books like Nile Valley Contributions to Civilization. Have you read it? I have not read that book. Oh my God. In that book, he says, <laughs> 4,000 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, which makes it 6,000 years ago, people in the Nile Valley, which is in Egypt, were doing cataract surgery with metal instruments. Did you realize that? Yes, I have heard about that, yes. Well, I hadn't. And I, I thought, oh my God, and what else? And the rest of that book is absolutely mind-blowing for somebody who has almost a master's degree and never heard any of this because we were not allowed to learn about the valuable things that people of color did before there were white people. You know, I I, I, I learned of this when I was younger. Um, shout out to my grandmother, Paulette, who would take us to a black owned bookstore in San Francisco called Marcus Bookstore. And we were, we, we would be, um shown these 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 pieces of lit literature that talked about things like this and we would discuss it also um but then you go to school and this is like elementary school you go to school and someone calls you a nigga and mm -hmm. just that quick your self your 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 pride and all of these things that you learned about your ancestors it it melts away so that you can be that n-word so that you can right. be whatever it is that that word encompasses and you and, have and, to elevate and you have to elevate the person who said it to a higher level because he has the right to talk that way and he must know what he's talking about right and and, and because it and because sometimes those words they carry different uh different weights of uh, or different dimensions of of uh of self um what is it uh per, per, perception um how i look at myself or how others will look at me um what so if my friend calls me that word um i must be cool i must be you know one of those guys that you know can handle himself if someone else says that word to me it's gonna affect me in a way where I, I feel like you know lower than a dog on the street. Right. I I I'm, I must be inhuman. I, I must be so subhuman. Um, that words, those words. Wait a, minute, wait a minute. Words are the most powerful weapon devised by humankind. We use them to destroy people or to create people all day, every day. 
and the word the n-word in the mouth of a white male or white female is vicious and vile and in the mouth of a black male or female it says look what i am and there ain't no nothing you can do about it fool And that's the reason pale faces don't like that word because in your mouth it has a whole different power than it has in theirs. They want that power. White folks want that power and they're scared to death of losing it right now. I I I I remember you uh I I remember seeing reading um a quote of yours uh where you said all whites are racist. Um what is if you can tell us is there a correlation between white fear and white guilt white white fear is the result of white guilt we are guilty of having done absolutely horrendous things to people of color both native you know first nations people and black people and people from china and and japan and wherever you have a color that is different from ours we are guilty of describing you in unpleasant and unacceptable ways because we are so afraid that one of our children will mate with one of yours and we will lose our numerical majority in the United States of America now within 30 years we will have lost our numerical majority in the United States of America and that's the reason for a Donald Trump getting elected and that's the reason for a, bo- a wall along the southern border of the United States and that's the reason for closing planned parenthood clinics make no mistake about this this is all the result of the fear of white males that they're going to be number 1 replaced or made they're going to lose their their majority their numerical majority in this country has white males absolutely scared to death that's what's going on you need to be aware of that and you need to watch this next election watch this very carefully because what happened in the last election if if we're lucky women of color melanaceous and melanotic women of color will save this society again by voting for the person who supports a country in which we do not judge people positively or negatively on the basis of the color of their skin if that doesn't happen if we get stuck for another 4 years with an idiot like we did 6 years ago this country will lose its democracy and and do, do you think um legal le- um the legalization or uh the the criminalization of abortion has something to do with that of course it does of course it does we don't want white women to have abortions in 1987 i think it was 60% of the abortions were white women about 5 years ago i gave a speech someplace can't remember where it was and i said that and these three little guys down the audience were getting real real agitated and i said i'll talk to you after i get done so after i got done i went out like on the other next area and this kid came and said yeah you need to know that you got your facts wrong i said what 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 did i say wrong you said that 60 some percent of the abortions were white women i said and what are they he said it's only 32% now i said you just made my point <laughs> in 1987 it was 60%. Now, 20 years later, it's only 30 some percent. And his face went, "Uh." I said, "Now do you know what I'm telling you?" He said, "It sounds as if you were right." I said, "Absolutely, I'm right." 
white people, white males are quite certain that the only ones who are getting abortions are white women. And they can put a stop to that. And they will if they can, because they are losing their numerical majority in the United States of America. That kid, his, his brother was with him. And his brother said to him, she's right. You know, she's right. And he was just gobsmacked. He didn't know how to relate to this. He didn't know how to respond to it. There is no response to it, except I didn't think of it that way. Of course you didn't think of it that way. Here's, here's the problem for all of us, all of us. I was born in 1933. That was the year that Adolf Hitler and Franklin Roosevelt came to power in their respective countries. So from 1933 until 1945, I heard my father ranting about what Adolf Hitler was doing. And here we are in 2016, and here's a man who is saying the same kinds of things in 2016 that I heard Hitler saying over the radio in 1933 to 1945. When he first came to power, I thought, this sounds Hitlerian. And then I told myself, you're exaggerating. It is, that's not right. Forget that thought. And then I read the book, When at Times the Mob is Swayed. And in that book, the author says, in Donald Trump's bedside table in a, in a locked drawer, he has a copy of the writings of Adolf Hitler, the book, mm. The New World Order. Now, get the book, The New World Order by Adolf Hitler. Read it and see if you can see a similarity between the kinds of things that Donald Trump tried to do and in many cases got done, and the things that Adolf Hitler was successful at. I wasn't, I, my, I wasn't being, I wasn't exaggerating when I thought this sounds Hitlerian. It did sound Hitlerian because he was doing the very things that Hitler had done in Europe, starting in 1933. Now, anybody who doesn't believe that, just get the book, The New World Order, and read it, or get the book, When at Times the Mob is Swayed. It is. It, let, let, can I play devil's advocate for a second? And no pun intended. <laughs> just, um, it, it's is is trying to preserve the melanemic race or the melanemic uh, people is trying to preserve it by any means necessary. Is that racist? Well, think about it. If in order to preserve the melanemic people. You have to destroy the history and the presence of the melanaceous and melanotic people. Is that racist? I think you can answer your own question. Of course that's racist. Mm -hmm. We teach racism in the schools on a daily basis by the map and by Columbus discovering America, which he couldn't, and by, by denying the truth. The only way you can avoid teaching the lie is to teach the truth. We refuse to teach the truth, and by so doing, we manage to teach the lie, which is the rightness of whiteness. And you need to remember, this is a thing that really makes what so-called white people angry. Only 15 to 18% of the human population of the earth is class classified as white. Did you know that? Yes, yes, well, yes. Then tell me, then tell me, that less than half of that 15 to 18%, which makes it about 6%, which is white males, should have the power to run the whole cotton pippin situation. The the audacity of caucasity. Um, <laughs> <is> a, 
<laughs> I, I, because I used to wonder how is it that a basketball team or a football team um, is predominantly uh, people of color, and the, but the the per, the quarterback or the head coach is all almost always uh, um, a a a white a white man, and. And the or the owners and how they're looked at. I looked at sports as um, I, I remember watching the movie Django uh, with Jamie Foxx, and there was a scene in that movie where two slaves were uh, made to fight to the death. And after the uh, the the one guy won, um, he was given a bottle of alcohol, a woman and a room to sleep in um and as his payment he wasn't given money he wasn't given his freedom but he was given a woman alcohol and comfort um he was given what white men would like to have ex exactly and, and <laughs> while while they benefited from the death or from and these men were putting their bodies their lives on the line it made me look at football no like that. They had no choice. And when I when I look at a football game, when I look at a basketball game or a football game, I'm thinking, here we are, back to gladiators. Right. These guys are being used by the system, and they're being paid for a short time by the system. They're being paid well. But I remember when I can't remember who it was, but when a black man was on television who was a fabulous football player, and he said, "I'm fine during the I'm fine during the event." But in the morning, when I try to go down the stairs, I have to sit down and go down the stairs on my sit on my hips because I can't walk. Hmm. So those guys, as far as I'm concerned, are gladi gladiators, and the people in the stands are the people who are watching them, hoping they were going to see what happened to the gentleman a few weeks, months ago. That's yeah. how we get our jollies. Is when and, and we see someone seriously hurt. Then we can pray for him, but while he's on the field, we're praying that he'll, his team will lose. And, and now that you uh, say that, it, the the Colosseum, right. uh, the the stadiums are are built in the manner of the Colosseums of old times. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it's oh my gosh, that that is crazy. Um, it so, isn't crazy. It's it's human. That's what it is. It's human, but it is it is ignorant human. And, and conditioning because we we groom our children to uh want to pursue those careers uh what we call careers in sports professional sports now um jane but because because in many cases we've made it impossible for a melanaceous or melanotic man to succeed unless he is athletically talented exactly you know exactly. that and i know that and that teaches them exactly the wrong thing and you know, and I know that a whole lot of those sport, those athletes who are out on that field or wherever they are at the college level are not taking really hard courses because they can take, they can take screen printing for four years and pass the course and still play football. Right. <laughs> that is a fact. Yeah, sorry, but that, these are, no, nobody wants to hear that. Particularly college people don't want to hear that. But when they look at what they're doing, they will have to admit that, yeah, we've done that very thing. When I was teaching junior high, 
I knew that some of my boys were not going to pass the course and they were going to have to take it over because they weren't they weren't they weren't paying attention. They didn't have to. And I went down to the principal and I gave him I showed him what their scores were going to be and he said you can't do this. I said why not? He said these kids are going to play football. They can't play football if they don't pass this. And this was junior high football. If they don't pass this course, they can't play football. I said, "Hey, that's not my problem." Yes, it is. I said, "Then you sign their report cards. You give them their grade and you sign their report cards." And that silly fool signed their report cards. Hmm. Mm. We don't we don't just begin at the college level. We carry on at the college level. Yeah. And at the you know, we carry on what we did in high school. If you were a really great athlete in high school, it doesn't matter how much you know as long as you can make the score or keep the other team from scoring. Yeah, win for me. Mhm. Yeah. Uh, Jane, there there's a um um what I've come to recognize as a fetus Fetishization, oh my gosh, <laughs> this word. It's a, it's a good word, fetishization. Yes, of, of, of black. Um, and a lot of times we'll see uh, blended families, uh, I believe what you call um, mosaic. Uh, mosaic. Thank you, mosaic families. Um, however, there are families where, for example, there will be a black father, a white mother, brown children and these brown children are not being given the talk um so that when they're um in the public or you know or in society they're they're not uh they don't know what is waiting for them kind of thing is there a responsibility for uh melanemic um parents to educate their children on how uh, society will treat them or handle them? Sure, but first we've got to change how we expect society to treat melanemic people, period. Instead of changing those kids, we've got to warn them. <clears throat> but we could stop warning them if we would tell the adults in the area, look, these are these these are my mosaic children. I expect them to be treated just as well as any of your anemic children are. And I will fight tooth and nail to see to it that you do that. Now, if you want to keep me off your back, all you have to do is treat my children fairly. If you do not treat my children fairly, not only will I come to you with it, I will go to the newspaper and to the local television outlet. And I will make this school look as sick as it is. Now, what do you want to do? Mm. You'll be surprised how quickly they change the treatment, what they allow teachers to do to children in that system. Because the way a teacher, an educator, or the way a teacher <coughs> treats her children of color is the way the students in the room are being taught to treat that child of color. Right. That is the miseducation of the American mind right there. And if you can't find educators who aren't racist and who can't keep their racist ideas to themselves, you keep looking until you do. Or you keep retraining them until they learn the right way. It's time for us to stop teaching the lie and start teaching the truth. But you can't do it if you are like the teacher who used the N-word in a classroom in which a third of the students had been in my classroom in third grade and wouldn't tolerate it. That made her life harder. She had to wipe out a whole section of what the kinds of things that she said she had to change every day. She had to change what she was accustomed to saying. 
because she had some wives, little kids in there who weren't going to put up with it. These kids had developed mm. common sense in my classroom, and somebody had said, "Common sense in uncommon amounts is what the world calls wisdom." Hmm. The teacher、mm. had none. The teacher had no common sense. Just not. Had developed common sense. Not everyone has common sense. It's not so common. It really but, isn't. But it needs to be. We could make it common. We could make it common sense for a teacher to pull down the Mercator map and say, "Now, boys and girls." This is the way your parents and grandparents and great grandparents and great 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 grandparents were taught to see the world. This is an erroneous vision of what the the size, shape, and importance of the landmass is on the face of the earth. Now, here is, and she could pull up that Peter's projection map and say, "I want you to see the difference between these two maps. I want you to look at these." And the next time some teacher tells you to look at the Mercator map, I want you to be able to say. Mr. So and So, the equator is in the wrong place, and he'll say that's where we've been taught that it is. And you have to say, but we were lied to. The equator is halfway between the North Pole and the South Pole. Could you please use this map and whip out your little Peter's projection map and show it to him?、Mm. Sometimes it's essential for the students to educate the educators. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I, every, I, hey, hey! Every every student of color, every brown student, dark, light brown student, every one of them knows more than every pale-faced teacher does. Make no mistake about that, because they have to in order to survive in this country and in this society. You've got to know more than your pale-faced teachers do, because they have never had to learn. What children of color have had to learn in this country—they've never had to learn what Native American children have had to learn. First Nation people have a whole list of things that they know that none of us white, so-called white folks, are ever going to learn, because they came from a country and traveled. Their forebears were so brilliant that they left the area of the equator and moved over thousands of years to the United, to, to what we call the United States of America, and they did it without. Any modern technology, and we call them less than. Right. There's something wrong with us when we call them less than, and when we teach that only white people did all the discovering and the inventing and the and、uh, the whole thing came from white males. Give me a break. Or, or that all、uh, people of color, that all black people, uh, um, um, so-called black people were. Brought here on ships, which、oh, yeah. is not true. Because don't you just love it? Don't you just love it? The first black people came here as slaves. Bullshit. I'm sorry. No, they didn't. The first、right. black people came here on ships that they owned, that they had built, and that they had sailed without any modern technology to help them find this place. Right for 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 thousands of years. Yes, over sixty thousand years ago. We we teach or or these types types of things. I don't want to say we, but these types of things are taught.、Um, and I, I I'm reminded of、uh, earlier last year when my daughter, um, um, she's in fifth grade, and she was telling me that、um, she sometimes goes to the bathroom and cries because、yeah. she's the only black girl in her class, and they're learning about slavery. 
and when they're reading about it the kids some of the kids are turning around staring at her and Mm -hmm. things so she'll get up and go to the bathroom and she'll she'll cry or she'll just spend time in there until she feels like they're done reading about it kind of thing and i said well baby it's 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 august or september why are you guys this is now i i didn't mean this as a joke or anything but in my mind i'm thinking it's not even black history month why are you reading about slavery right now she it it's so early in the year and so when i met with her teacher i brought this up to her and she says well this is just a curriculum and this is how we have to teach it and she gives me the book and the first page of the book was talking about boxcar jim um, a slave that 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 transported himself inside of a boxcar. And um, I had to ask, why are you teaching this? Why, what does this have to do with American history right now? Why is this the first thing? And do you agree with it? And her look of, of I, 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 I am, I, I don't know how to answer this question other than to say it's my job yeah um, and why are you, and why are you challenging me ex- exactly yeah. exactly why because... are you challenging me don't don't do if you don't if you're if you don't believe what i'm saying and you teach their child a different thing at home then you are destroying his respect for the education that i offer in this classroom how dare you do that and, and that's something like you said we have to do just to just not only to give our kids the 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 full scope of what's going on but to also tell them what environment they're in because when when a child feels uncomfortable we we have to we have to acknowledge that and also let them know that you're not wrong for feeling the way that you feel when you when a child feels like something is wrong that's because something is wrong there, there and, when, is a, and when the teacher says it up at the front of the room it must be true right right because you aren't a teacher you don't know as much as that fifth grade teacher does you've only lived longer than she has and you've only known more than she has for all of your life no matter how long she lives because you've had to know you have no choice but to know and that's what's going on with your son your son is going to have to be retaught at home and retaught what he has mistaught while he's in school do Jane, in, in your in your opinion, do um, do whites have an obligation to people of color? Do do melan melanemic people? I love that word. I'm going to start using that word more. Do melanemic <laughs> people you. have an obligation to no, melanation? They, they have a, they have a responsibility to educate everyone with the truth instead of educating someone to believe the lie and to be prepared to continue to perpetuate the lie. If melanemic people are going to continue to be the people who make the decisions and who write the laws in this country, then we have to train students in ways that will make it possible for us to maintain that position in this society. So it is absolutely essential if we want to remain as we are to keep on telling the lie. But the problem is that we melanemic people are going to lose our numerical majority in this country within 30 years. Now it's about 28 years. And then what are we going to do when the truth is going to be told because the majority of the people who are going to be doing the teaching and administrating the programs are going to not look like me, but they're going to look like you. 
and they're going to start studying and telling the truth and expect ev- and expecting everybody to learn the truth instead of the lie. Life would be so much easier if we would just remember, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall set ye free. The only way we will ever be free of racism if we start is if we start telling the truth prenatally. If you haven't read the book, oh my God, Policing the Womb. If you haven't read the book, Policing the Womb, you don't realize that racism starts while you're in the womb. And it continues until you're in the grave. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I, I, I've seen the the uh, oppression of uh, pregnant women of color, not, not just the oppression, but the um what is it uh the, it's the, abuse it's abuse it not it's not just oppression it's abuse thank you and it's, it's absolutely unacceptable the way many women of color are treated at at the at the office and then when they get into the delivery room and this is the reason they asked me to speak to a group of women who are um people who deliver babies that aren't that aren't in the medical profession these are people who what, what do you call them you know and so do i anyway they asked me to speak to them and i said why do you want me to speak to you i am not a nurse i am not a nurse practitioner i am not in the medical field and she said because our babies and women of color aren't treated the same in delivery rooms that white women are and we are we have formed this group to be sure that every every child is treated fairly when they when they come into this world i thought my god what is wrong with a society in which one group of people know that they'll go to the delivery room and be seen as delightful human beings and another larger group goes in knowing i hope we come out alive yeah midwives midwives i spoke to a group of midwives probably 30 or 40 midwives of different colors sitting in this room listening to me say we're all members of the same race and they looked at each other like is this woman a nutcase and i said i know what you're thinking and you're wrong i'm not a nut yet because i'm not a non-nonagenarian right now i'm an octogenarian and that means i'm old but for me the word old is really means octogenarian living dangerously so yes i am old <laughs> But I'm not a genarian yet, a nonogenarian yet. And you when have, I am, you'll call me a nut, which stands to, for nonogenarian, utterly terrifying. Okay, go on. <laughs> you got to start a clothing line and put some of these things on sweatshirts and t-shirts. I promise it'll sell out. <laughs> I'm sure they would. And people would be burning them by the hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all right for me. And, you know, when I, when I wear the sweatshirt on which it says, God created one race, the human race. Human beings created racism. People look at me like, oh my God, she's one of those. And I think, yeah, I am. And you better talk to your God. Because your God and my God are watching this sweatshirt. And they're watching, that one is watching your reaction to it. Yeah. I I, I, um, I was speaking to a cousin of mine, uh, Alex Bagwell. Shout out to my cousin, Alex. Um, and he's a bit of a historian himself. And... He, we were talking about Sheikh Anta Diop. Have you ever heard of that, that man? No. So uh, Sheikh Anta Diop uh, um, is, he has a book called What is Man? Um, or, or a, a series called What is Man? And 
his 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 basic basically his uh, teaching is uh, is rooted in the basis that we er, the the human um, that humans are derived from one place uh, one one um, we we all came from the same basically one woman one, one woman I'm I'm sure he says one woman. It, it, thank you and and he says one one man and you know him so do I one man <laughs> we, <laughs> my my cousin wanted to ask um how far in your own theories uh do you incorporate that analysis uh based on the origin and development of man um and the imposition of using that as a way of justifying racism of non-white people's oppression how far do I go or how far does the shape go? How far do you go in, in your own theories? I say, hey, wait, people. Every time you get a, a magazine or a book that shows a picture of the first human, it's a shaggy man walking into history. Right. But there is no picture there of that little woman behind him. Mm. From which he came. Now, until some man can carry a living being inside his body for nine months as it grows, until it gets to the size of a sack of oranges, and he has to express it from his body, that thing, the head of which is the size, at least the size of an orange, orange, through a hole the size of a little green pea, until a man can do that, and do it repeatedly, don't tell me that men were the first people who appeared on this earth. Now, Jane, it sounds like you're saying that civilization started with the black woman. Go ahead, say it. Yeah, <laughs> damn right. Where did black men come from? I have never, of course, now we've got trans. So now these trans people are going to be able to have children. Right. Now, what are we going to do? But they will, those trans that have children have ovaries. Mm. Men have testicles. Right. Which would you rather have? I, listen, if it was up to me to have a baby, there would, I would be childless. That sounds yeah, I painful. I think you would. Yes, it is exactly that painful. And I had four in five years until we found out what was causing that. <laughs> and I was raised on a farm, so I knew what was causing it, but it was so much fun that I kept on doing it. And it didn't, doesn't bother my husband at all. It, he was, it was perfectly happy for him until he realized that he was going to have to feed them <laughs> and clothe them and house them. And then all of a sudden he decided, maybe, Jane, you should start taking birth control pills. I said, maybe, Daryl, you should take care of it. <laughs> birth control pills made me sicker than a dog. And I didn't mind being sick once every once, every nine months, for as long as I had to. But I didn't want to be sicker than a dog to avoid that situation. Yeah, I, I, no, I we, feel we it. We expect women to take care of it. No, no. Men have the ability to keep from reproduce from a, a woman that they love from reproducing with their sperm cells, and, and it's simple. And we're talking about vasectomies. No, 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 no. You don't have to have a vasectomy. You can buy condoms by the hundreds, but for the price of a vasectomy. Because thank you for mentioning that. Because 
that was something uh, that my my ex-wife and I were um, uh, told when having our second, only our second child, our second out of three, was that maybe I should consider a vasectomy because at the time we were living in a homeless shelter. Um, and I was offended because I had a job. We just were having a problem finding a place to live. And I, I'm educated, but we were just in a, in a crunch at the time. Why should I make a lifelong decision because of my temporary status? And I wondered how many other people um, in that situation heard that from that doctor. Um, it, 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 it was just, it was, it was disappointing, uh, it's to say the least. disappointing. It's racist. Make no mistake about this. If people like Donosaurus T. Rump could force every male, every male of color to have a vasectomy, that would be the next law that he would write. Hmm. Somebody would write it and he'd sign it. Do you think, um, Jane, do you, do you think, and, and, and I want to, um, go into what you were talking about earlier with the death threats. Um, do you think that people are ready for the truth? No, absolutely not. And the fact that he got elected once and is now being talking about, talking about, talked about as running again is proof that they don't want the truth. They want to live their lie and deny that it's a lie because this is what makes them comfortable and it's what makes them happy and what makes them feel less threatened. The biggest threat, as I see it in this country today, is the threat of pale faces becoming a numerical minority in the United States of America. Now we have been a minority, a numerical minority all over the world forever. And we're always going to be that. But in this country, we call this a white man's land. It's not a white man's land, and it never has been, and it never will be. So we've, we've got to get over the idea of a white man's land. But, but we are still convinced, we still have many people in this country who absolutely believe in the rightness of whiteness. And why wouldn't they? That's the only, here, that's the only history we've ever been taught. Yeah. And, and I, listen, I, I, I agree totally uh, with everything that you're saying. I, I don't want to keep you too long. You've been very, very generous with your time. Um, That's all right. Wait, wait a minute. People probably start listening, stopped listening 40 minutes ago. So don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> you can only stand so much of me. And then you have to turn it off and go get something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to take a breather. Smoke break right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I just have I, have a, have I, wait a minute. Have I said anything that sounded like a lie to you? No, not at all. Not at all. And, and, have I and sounded, the, said anything that sounded absolutely unimpossible? Impossible? Not possible? No, not at all. No. Well then, well, then what's the problem for your listeners? And I'll tell you what the problem for your listeners is. They, many of them don't want to hear the truth, and the ones who want to hear the truth don't have anybody to talk to about it. Mm. Yeah, if mm. if mothers of melanaceous and melanotic children go to the teacher and say, I heard a woman say on television that most of what you teach in this school is about the rightness of whiteness. 
I want my son to hear about the great things that people of color have done, about the great things that people that we call Indians have done, about the things that people who came from Africa have done. I want them to hear about those things, and I'm going to bring you a copy of the book Nile Valley Contributions to Civilization. And I'm going to expect you to share a part of this book every day with the students in this class. Do you know what that would do to that teacher? That teacher would go to the principal, the principal would go to the superintendent, and they would request that perhaps your child would be happier in another school, or perhaps you、yeah. would like to do homeschooling for your child. Because don't for one minute think that the vast majority of teachers in this country are educators. They are teachers. They teach the curriculum that is put before them. At the beginning of the school year, here is the state course of study. This is what you will teach. As a result of that, there had to be lots and lots of noise made to have Black History Month. Black history should be taught in every day, in every classroom, in every school in the United States of America, because without Black history, there would be no Americans, and there would be no British, and there would be no French, and there would be no Chinese. There would be there, and there would be no what we call Indians in this country. We all came from Africa, so we had best start teaching the truth in history. And your children, who I take it are mosaic, have the right to hear the truth about all all sides of their colors. Yeah, my my children are、uh, their mother is half Mexican, half half black, and.、Um, I, but, but, I but they're all human. Their mother is all human. Oh yeah. Oh facts. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Then let's stop talking about half Mexican and half black. Let's talk about the fact that she has, she has, culture from both the black group and from the Mexican group, and the cultures are very different, but they all came from the same place, which was Africa. But now see. Now see. Now now, I. I I I was in New York and in a in a in a bodega, and in walks this man with a Spanish accent, a thick Spanish accent. Well, not thick, but a, a, a yeah, a thick Spanish accent, and he's he's talking about brown and black people and how we're all the same. I he and I engage because he's just walking around the store and he's talking, I guess, to someone. But then we, when we get in line, he's right behind me, and I, I engage with him, and we talk as we're walking out the store. Come to find out, this man's name is Felipe Luciano,、uh, the founder of the Young Lords organization in New York, and he was talking about how divided Black and Brown people are,、uh, Dominican, Puerto Rican. He said, "But Puerto Ricans, we just the same. We're Africans that 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 landed on the island." And and we're no different, but we people will have you think that we're different. We're the same, this hey, kind of thing. All, we are we are all different, but and, and essentially we're all the same. We all came from the same place, but we developed in different cultures and in different and different areas of the globe, and that our bodies responded to different climates. Right. So we aren't all the same, but go on. And so so when I when I, when when we're talking about that and and what truth is. Um, are are we? How can we accept each other on a very human level、um, without without denying each other、uh, those basic principles? 
just based on the color of our skin or our eyes in a way that it, it's, it's beneficial and that we can move forward as a human race. We have to see that we all develop in, if you if you developed in Southern Africa, you were different from if you developed in Central Africa or Northern Africa, because your body responded to the climate. Your your culture is different because because you're in a different climate so climatic zone. We are so terribly conditioned to judge people by the way they look instead of thinking. Yeah, they came from a different climate. They came from a different zone. Their bodies responded to that. My body responded to being, becoming my ancestors coming from Ireland, but they came to Ireland from Africa. So I am more Irish than I'm African. My oh Lord, I have one grandson who is part Hispanic. I have two granddaughters and now a great grandson who is half Saudi Arabian. So here I have this this uh, mosaic grandchildren and children, and it's absolutely marvelous to realize that even though these Saudi Arabia these Saudi Arabian parents were totally different in their attitude and in their religious beliefs and in the the things they believe that you should be and do, they are different from these this Hispanic one. They're all going to get along because they all realize that we're all members of the family of Jay. Hmm. Exactly. Now we have to re- yeah we have to realize that yeah we're all different in many ways but we are all members of the family of man and the family of man is discussed in the bible they don't discuss race in the bible they talk about the family of man and that's what we are we all came from the same place we originated in africa i don't act like an african i don't talk like an african i don't look like what we consider an african However, <laughs> I am a 30th to 50th cousin of every African on the face of the earth. Jane, I I I want to thank you so much before before we get out of here. But do um, you want to be my cousin? Oh yeah, we're cousins for sure. Oh, okay, all right. You're all invited right, to the cookout. You're invited to Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner. You, oh yeah, okay. for sure. As a matter of fact, from now on, I'm gonna greet you instead of saying good morning, Jane, or hey, Jane, this is Bear. I'm gonna say hey, cousin. <laughs> so we good know. Idea. And you, I'll bring you, the potato salad. I'll bring the potato salad to the picnic <laughs> unless unless you want cream puffs. And if you want cream puffs, <laughs> I make the most fabulous cream puffs you have ever eaten in your life. Bring the cream puffs, please. Got my 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 experience with uh, melon mel, melon melon melanemic people in potato salad isn't so good. So bring oh. the cream. Bring the bring the puffs. Okay. <laughs> bring the puffs. You bring All the potato right. salad as long as it doesn't have raisins in it. Bring bring oh bring my whatever God. you want. Who would, who would put raisins in a potato salad? Listen, I'll send you some TikTok videos of people doing crazy things. But, oh, that's the problem right now. TikTok is the problem. Horrible things are being said about me on TikTok, and I want it stopped. Let, let's talk about that because we can address that right now um right now let's address the fact that people are hearing on TikTok that jane elliott says that native americans didn't exist i didn't say that never have and never will native americans came here from africa just like all the rest of us did but because of the difference in the climate and the difference in their cultures they developed in a different way from those who came straight out of africa but their ancestors came from africa 
and I am I'm going to be punished for talking too much about blacks when in fact when I talk about blacks I'm talking about the ones who were here first those who mm. are the closest descendants of those who began civilization on the face of the earth at least civilization as we modern human beings know it when those first modern human beings appeared on this continent they survived longer than peking man or java man or neanderthal man or all those other humanoids homo sapiens were the ones who survived the longest and we are all members of the homo sapien family every one of us every person of every color every human of every color is a homo sapien and i mean what we call indians indians weren't called indians until columbus who was lost called them that because he thought he had reached india let's stop using terms like indian to discuss the first nations people which is what they called themselves and every group of first nations people had a word in their language for the people they called themselves the people because mm. they were that realistic before we got to that point okay put that on tiktok mm thank you thank you thank you thank you thank um you. Be, because we 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 see when we look at pictures um that not every native at that time looked like a disney caricature um they all did not the same did. right none of them did no no they, disney knew how to make pictures that will be pleasing to the eyes of the people who are going to be buying his product um Jane, before and 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 to those uh to everyone listening right now um when you see clips of jane on uh social media tiktok facebook youtube um take the time to research the whole context of the conversation um because a lot of times we'll be shown something just so that it will incite a anger or some kind of negative emotion out of us and and in the comment section you'll see people that reaffirm all of these uh that 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 will contribute to that and so it it forms a negative public opinion on something that wasn't intended to be negative at all so we're all about we're we're all about creating stereotypes and we'll create stereotypes of non-ethnic women of white women we're all ignorant and have hair and curlers and we all are so corseted that we you can't really tell what we look like what our shape is because and we all have when our hair isn't in curls it's long and flowing and blonde that's the stereotype one of the stereotypes of white women well i'm sorry but i don't match that stereotype and i resent being required to act as though i do i i do not go around with a bible under my arm and i but i do go around with a ruler <laughs> because i want to know whether you'll measure up <laughs> i before we get out of here jane i i want to run a few uh words by you a few names by you and you just give me your thoughts is that cool sure go ahead okay uh Francis Cress Wilson. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um Malcolm X was coming around to being having the same philosophy that 
MLK did before they were both killed. Malcolm X had the hope of black people. And if he and MLK had been allowed to live, this would be a different society today than, a, than we are. Because Martin Luther King Jr. was all about peace. Malcolm X was all about, let's make a change. And by the time they were both killed, they were, they were getting very close to one another. And that was seen as a threat to people in this country. So they both had to die. Mm. Rest in peace to them, to them all. Um, critical race theory. It's <laughs> <laughs> another lie. Let's look, number one. Number one is critical. Okay, so we've got to argue with this. Number two, race. Race is a, it isn't a social construct. Race is another lie. Theory. I don't deal in theories. I deal in facts. Instead of calling CRT, critical race theory, let's call it what it is. Curriculum respecting truth. Hmm. Now, if curriculum respecting truth bothers you, that's your problem. You don't want to know the truth. But if curriculum respecting truth, if you are willing to listen to that, and if it's being told, if it, the truth is being told, then that is exactly what we need. But we do not need critical race theory. We need curriculum respecting truth. We could start teaching that prenatally, but you can't start teaching critical race theory until you get to college. That's ridiculous. We ought to be teaching, and you wouldn't have to teach critical race theory at the college level if you taught the truth at the elementary level. So let's insist mm. that every teacher teach CRT, curriculum respecting truth. Make sense to you? It, perfect sense. Perfect Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. Well, it isn't perfect, but it's pretty good. <laughs> reparations. If we're going to pay reparations to people who were brought here as slaves, Let's first start, and I've said this for years, let's first start by paying reparations to the people who owned this land before we got here and took it away from them. Let's pay reparations to the First Nations people first, or let's just give them back the state of New York. Or better than that, let's give them back the state of California. Mm. It, would, it would contain more people, and it's a more welcoming environment and they could live, they could prosper, they could they could do very well on the state of California. Or let's give them Washington, Oregon, and California. All three of them. Let's just give those to the people who were here first. Yeah. If you if you want to talk about reparations, let's make them work for everyone. But first, before we do that, we have to make women the queens. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you, you. We have to pay women first. Because without women, there would be no one to, one to discuss reparations for people of any color. We 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 have um, this double standard. Uh, I, I don't know if you'll agree or not, but we there's this double standard when it comes to um, women um, that we want them to look and behave a certain way, but we we don't want them to feel empowered enough to want to do something for themselves or to make strides. Um, and, well, we and, want them to make strides as long as they don't disturb males. Mm. You're welcome. We're welcome to make strides as long as we don't force males to question whether they are really the strongest of the two genders. And there are obviously more than two, but for years we have taught that men had the power and women should recognize it and say, yes, boss. Well, 
<laughs> we now know that that isn't the way it is. Because we know, we could, if you don't believe me, you go to the nearest rest home, you count the number of women that are in that rest home, and then you count the number of men. And you're going to find out that women overall are stronger than any men. Oh yeah, yeah, they, they, they we live I, longer and we a live lot longer. longer. Exactly. You, right. So it, let's, let's stop talking about the weaker sex unless you're going to talk all men the weaker sex. Yeah, a friend of mine, uh, shout out to Pam Pam. She she said, you know, Barry, I'm getting tired of men calling each other pussy. And, excuse my language. She said, do you know how strong the vagina is? <laughs> I said, okay, wait do, a minute. Do you, know how, do you know how strong the woman's mind is? Do right. you know? How, oh, God, don't get me started on this. I, just, <laughs> I, am, I am not one of those people who is in the women's movement. I am in the humans movement. And I think we need to te- treat all humans fairly. But you do not treat little girls fairly by calling them the weaker sex. And you do not treat little boys fairly by calling women the weaker sex because it gives them a wrong impression of what their strength is. Because you know as well as I do that until they get into the teenage years, girls are stronger than boys. More of them survive birth than do boys. Because we are the stronger sex people, you need to realize that. Mm. And if we weren't, if we weren't, whoever made these decisions would have given males the ability to reproduce. I don't want it. I don't want it. I I uh, forget the name of the comedian, but he said uh, if men, if it was up to us to have babies, there would be one person in this audience. We would and not have an, a population explosion. No, most definitely not. All that, you have that, to have is one man produce a child and then watch him. <laughs> yeah, I don't want anything coming out of either one of those holes. <laughs> if it's not fluid, I don't want it coming out of there. Well, I'm sorry, but you've never had the experience, and it's too bad because it is really a joyous experience. Carrying a child and burying yes. a child and, and giving birth to a child is absolutely, at the right time and the right place and with the right person, the most remarkable thing that could ever happen to you. And 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 it's a, a wonderful thing to nurture that. Uh, oh, that, that life as it grows we have a, a huge responsibility um ahead of us it, it, it's it's more than just dressing it uh feeding it or or taking pictures of it and uh to make other people jealous of our lifestyle it's we have a an actual responsibility to nurture that life um as they as they mature but you also have the extreme pleasure of seeing that person grow and go and then come back and then go again and know that he's taking or she is taking with them what you put there and what you put in them, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. It's just it's just a total joy to know that that is a product of what you and the person who loved you did. Mm, that's beautiful. Jane, I, I, I wanna thank you for for spending time with us today for for teaching us today i'm gonna be using melanemic melanaceous and melanotic i'm gonna make that a practice (laughs) so you're not going to be the melanaceous man's heart right no, I think I'll no, leave it as a black man's heart. Just, <laughs> but, but I will be using that in my vocabulary, and I thank you for that. 
um please 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 anytime you want come back um uh we could talk about anything and and everything under the sun i love having conversations with you it's it's informative it's funny it's heartbreaking at the same time because we we have come a long way but we still have a long way to go and i i love the fact that you at least if you don't have the whole map you have a piece of the map as to how we can get there because it, it's it's something that we need we need more people like you we definitely need more people like you and 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 your contributions have been to, I, I mean you're gonna go down in the history books because you are one of those people who took something that her father said and you built your life on it you you made it you've you've taught others um just based on that you know right from wrong now do what you what, what was it if right thing. you know the difference between right and wrong now do the right thing god damn it <laughs> now do the right thing god damn it shout out to your father um yes every day every day because we the the seeds that he gave you the jewels that he gave you were all the fruit that he gave you were all eating from to this day um jane is there anything that you have going on right now or any 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 upcoming events or anything that you want to plug Oh, I, I have a bunch of podcasts coming up, and I have interviews coming up, and I would love to get back on college campuses, but if I don't go back on college campuses, I don't have to fly. So that what? means I don't have to, I don't have to rev up my broom, I can just sit here. <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't, if you weren't an educator, I would swear that you were a comedian. You you have material for hey, days. Hey, you can't you can't take this stuff seriously. If you take the crap that you hear every day on the news seriously, it will drive you insane. You have to find a way to make it totally ridiculous because it is. It is totally ridiculous. When people like Marjorie Taylor Greene are making are in the business of writing laws, do you know how far down the down into the pothole we have come, gone, descended. Yes. Do you realize how dangerous that is to have two men who remind me of Charlie McCarthy and Mortimer Snurd, one big in the House of Representatives and the other big in the Senate. Do you know how much danger we're in when we are being ruled by people like Charlie McCarthy and Mortimer Snurd writing our laws? It's time for us to look at this thing realistically and say, how far down this rabbit hole are we willing to go? And I think we've gone far enough now. Yeah. Now we're we, saying things we don't really don't want to hear. Okay, thank you very much. Call me again someday. <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And, and, and this is what we need. Um, and this is why I, I asked you to come onto the show because um, I intended for this to be, you know, I, I got on um, uh, uh, Spotify one day and I, I, I wanted something that spoke to me as a man, as a black man, and I couldn't find anything. Um, and so uh, my, my brother Javier, he, he, he was starting up his podcast and he reminded me that I gave him my word that when he started his, I would also start mine. And I was thinking, all right, well, what can I do? And, and, and after that day that I got on here to, to find something that uh, spoke to me, and couldn't find it, I said, okay, well, I'll create it. I'll create something, a safe space for men, a safe space 
for 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 men of color to come to to get wisdom and guidance but after doing my after recording my first season of the show it it dawned on me that uh this is a place for men and women this is a place for not just men of color but all hues all shades of men to come and get the guidance to get the wisdom and and do so by listening to other people's stories their experiences because that's a a, um, a, a very important part of of how we take in information is to uh, align ourselves or to relate to other people and so it 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 is everything it means everything that you came on this show because you are the complete opposite of what this of who this show was designed to reach out to and your teachings your your words your wisdom it's everything that we need as a people as a human race to move forward so jane again thank you thank you thank you and anytime you want to come back shoot me an email give me a phone call whatever it is and and it's done it's to say the word Thank you. That's lovely. And I appreciate every lovely thing you said. And I, I don't agree with it, but I'm perfectly happy to have you say it. Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs> and for everyone listening, this has been another episode of the Black Man's Heart Podcast. We thank you, Jane. And and to everyone out there listening, please, please, please play this back. Share it with someone because we, although we do have a lot of work to do and a long way to go, you're not alone in this work and, and and you have to remember how far you've come exactly exactly and talk about how far melanaceous and melanotic people have come in spite of all the obstacles that melanemic people have put in their paths do you realize how brilliant you are yes yes to to little to the little girls and little boys in the classrooms don't be discouraged and anytime um, a teacher says, oh, here comes another little black child, you say, yeah, and watch out. <laughs> don't let her apologize for what you are. You make her realize that she just gave you a tremendous compliment. And you need mm. to say, thank you, fool. Mm. Got it? Mm. Got it. Got yeah. it. Thank okay, you, Jane. Thank you. I'm going to shut up now and I'm no. going to turn this off. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Jane, thank you to everybody else out there listening. Thank you. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.